Ooh, I just realized something I hadn't done. Habakkuk chapter 2, and then we'll be in Mark chapter 10. I'll use this as a a barrier between me and thee, so I'm not spitting on anybody. Habakkuk, uh, we read the first three verses of chapter 2. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then to Mark chapter 10. Starting with verse 17. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we'll see how we we do today getting... uh, uh, with uh, this, this flu that we've come down with has been uh, quite, uh, in, quite an experience. Uh, very few times have we, we've been knocked so strongly, and actually both of us have been knocked t- 
together at the same time. Uh, normally, we have the decency to be sick one after the other rather than both getting sick uh, simultaneously uh, and all of that 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 entails. I mean, you know, when, when she's sick and I'm sick, I don't have anybody to make me a nice chicken soup, you know. And, and if she's sick, she doesn't have anybody, and, you know, and she's sick and I'm sick, she doesn't have anybody to order out for pizza because I'm not making chicken soup. I, I can't do that. You know, that's just not, just not me. You, those of you who know my, my cooking skills, well, actually, you know, I, 32 years ago, I taught Karen everything I know about cooking, uh, and she's, since she's taken it from there and gone to new heights of, uh, of excellence. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. It's funny, uh, about a week or so ago, I was reflecting. I, I don't know if I was actually reflecting on this passage, uh, but uh, when you don't feel well, and, and I, as many of you know, we've not felt well for uh, several weeks now, about three, four weeks, uh, with one sickness. This is my third sickness uh, in the last uh, few weeks. I, I just start to get over one, and I get another one, and it's been crazy. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you kind of you start looking at life there, uh, and you look at what you've done, and you, and you look at the, the things of your life, and you start to evaluate things. Don't we all do that? Uh, maybe I'm the only person who does that when I feel poorly. You know, I, I start to evaluate things, and then I, I can have a pity party, you know, and say, you know, poor me, and you know, all these kinds of things that, that come out. But I was looking, and I was thinking about this, and thinking about, uh, well, actually, the thing that triggered it off is I had a, a friend who, uh, uh, she's 82 years old now, but she was in the church where I grew up. And so she saw me grow up. She saw me when I was 15, 16-year-old uh, preaching in the church. Uh, she and her husband, her husband's since gone to be with the Lord. They were uh, encouraged, encouraged me a lot. And, and now she's in another church in another city, uh, not toward the middle of Missouri, and uh, she sent me a note, and she said, you know, our, our pastor is leaving the church. You know, maybe you should think about coming to our church. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, a church, you know, the, the salary is like $100,000, uh, and all the stuff that kind of goes with that, you know. So you, you start looking at that, and you think about it, and by the way, I'm not tempted, so don't worry about that. Uh, you know, after you've been in London, where can you go? I mean, there's really no place. Once you've been in the greatest city in the world, you know, everything else is kind of downhill. Uh, but that, it causes you to look at things and just realize, and you think, you know, we leave a lot of stuff. I mean, when we came here, uh, when we moved to the United Kingdom, uh, one of my big concerns was my mom and my dad and them being taken care of as they got older. Uh, and God was faithful in that. But I left my mom, I left my dad, I left my sister, Karen left her mom and a brother and sister, and we left our nieces and nephews, and that's been really hard because they all went off the rail, uh, which I, I don't know that if we'd stayed that we could have stopped that, uh, but we probably could have killed them or something, uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, so, so all of those kinds of things and, and career and, and there's so many things, you know, that you just set, set aside uh, to take up the call and, and follow the Lord. And I'll never forget, uh, as I was agonizing over whether or not to come, 
And my mom, who's had, had a tremendous prophetic gift, it was never nurtured, but she had a tremendous prophetic gift. She probably knew what I was thinking and wrestling about leaving her. And, and she came to me one day. She said, Rod, you need to do whatever God tells you to do. Don't worry about me. You know, God will take care of me. But she did. I mean, it was just, just an amazing thing. Uh, and, and so there's these things in our lives that we are actually called to lay down and set aside. And, and the, the challenge here is for, for something like when you're, when you're in ministry like this uh, and a ministry leader, uh, it's very easy to justify the things that you want to do using some nice spiritual language uh, and, and things like that. And you can, you can actually trick yourself into believing that almost anything that you want to do is God and almost anything that God wants you to do is not God. It's very easy to do that. In fact, when you're reading this passage here in Mark, that's where the rich young, uh, the rich young ruler, the rich young man, uh, you know, that, that's what he's gotten into. He, he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, you know, how, how do I get eternal life? And, uh, and Jesus says, well, follow all the commandments. Uh, and he says, well, you know, all of these I've kept since I, since I was young. And then Jesus said, go sell everything you have and come follow me uh, and you'll have a place in the kingdom and eternal life. And he walked away. Now, now, there are many people in the body of Christ that will take that and say, okay, everybody just needs to sell everything they have and lay it aside and, and uh, come follow Jesus. And this is a blanket commandment that Jesus has given. But it's not a blanket commandment. It's not a blanket commandment. Jesus, in giving this saying to the rich young man, he was exposing the fact that although the rich young man thought that he was keeping all the commandments, he neglected the commandment, you should have no other gods before me. And so what began to happen was the rich young man was actually worshiping his wealth to a certain degree, finding his significance or his security uh, or his acceptance in his wealth. And so Jesus was exposing that because the rich young man, what he had done was he had deceived himself into thinking that he was really following God when actually he wasn't really following God, at least not 100%. He'd done a lot of things. He was a good guy. Uh, I think it's really interesting how Jesus, you know, it says here very clearly how Jesus loved him. I mean, he looks at this guy and he sees something really special and really precious in the rich young man. But then he says, okay, I've got to expose this in his heart. And he does. And sadly, the rich young man walks away. And, uh, uh, and he, you know, he's sorrowful. Jesus, I mean, his heart breaks. But notice how Jesus doesn't go after him. He just exposes this thing and then allows the rich young man to make a decision. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I thought I'd turn that off. I didn't. Uh, so he exposes this thing and just allows the rich young man to make a decision. Many times, God will do this in our lives. 
Uh, we used to say back in the 1990s that God offends, uh, offends the mind to expose the heart. And there's a truth to this, that God many times will call us to do something, call us to lay something down, challenge us in some way that offends us or is difficult for us. Many times as we approach God, we kind of approach God like this. God, I want to give you this that's in my hand. And God says, well, you know, what's in your hand is fine out in front of you, but actually, I really want you to give me what's in your hand behind you. And then we say, well, no, you know, there's nothing in my hand. Look, there's nothing behind me. See, you can have this one. Uh, And we try to decide what we give to God. That's one of the great things about sacrifice. When you're sacrificing, you choose the sacrifice. When you surrender, you surrender everything. And so that's what Jesus was challenging this rich young man with. He didn't care if the rich young man had wealth or not. It wasn't an issue. The problem was that the rich young man was using his wealth for his sense of significance, security, and acceptance. And that became the issue. That became the difficulty for him that Jesus had to challenge. So he walks away, and Jesus looks around. He says, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Why were the disciples amazed at his words? And this is a second way that we can sometimes deceive ourselves a little bit. The disciples were amazed at his words because the assumption in their day, just like today, is that if you have blessing, if you have wealth, and wealth was a sign of blessing, and remember, we're talking about a religious community here, a religious nation, and they saw wealth as a sign of blessing. They saw wealth as a sign of God's favor. They saw success as an indicator that somehow God approved of what you were doing and that God was giving you favor. And even today, we do that. Uh, How many times do we look and we look at, say, even a pastor, and we say, oh, that pastor, they have 5,000 people in their church. They must really be blessed by God. And then we discover that the pastor falls in sexual immorality, that something had been going on for a very long time, that actually, you know, even though there was these outward trappings of success, that inwardly, this was not successful. It did not have God's blessing. And do you know, many times, Satan will allow God's people to have amazing blessing, not because... He's, you know, he's good and he wants the best for us. But Satan will allow God's people to have unchallenged blessing because there's a fatal flaw that sometimes we carry around that he knows that just at the right moment he can use to trip us up and cause many people to fall away. And so we always have to be careful 
not only that we are setting our own agenda and determining that we're, whether or not we're really following God accurately, but we also must always be careful in looking at outward blessing, material wealth, things like that, as a sign of God's favor. In fact, sometimes it's not. And as Jesus points out, it can be really a stumbling block. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You know, and they were exceedingly astonished. Because again, they thought rich people in their culture were in the kingdom or experiencing the kingdom. Uh, but Jesus said, no, it's, this is really, really difficult. It's really difficult. It's so difficult that there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that humans can do to be saved, but even though it's impossible for us, it is possible with God because everything is possible with God. And so we go with that confidence. And this means that it doesn't matter what the outward experience that we have is in any given moment. You know, today, right now, I feel horrible. My eggs, my legs ache. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into bed uh, early this afternoon and all of that. But I know that the way I feel doesn't determine my reality in the Lord. You know, just because I get sick, like we all do, just because I have difficulties, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. That doesn't mean that, that I'm not where God wants me to be. That doesn't mean that I'm not pleasing to God or not doing what God wants me to do. And God can take any situation that we're in, any struggle that we're having, and turn it and shape it so that Jesus will receive glory. Because all things are possible with God. And then Peter cries out here, this, this, he blurts out in, in fine Peter fashion, you know, he can't hold it in. Uh, he blurts out here and he says, uh, see, we have left everything and followed you. He cries out. And that leads me then to this great, great promise that we have. And it's a promise that in this fullness of time, we will see manifesting more and more and more and more. And that's this. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. That's so encouraging. This passage has been one of the most important passages in my own life. Uh, for so, so many times. Uh, but notice here what Jesus says, that we leave these things for his sake and for the gospel. Now there are a lot of people who leave houses, mothers, brothers, sisters, lands, children, these things, for their own selfish reasons, for their own selfish desires, for their own selfish purposes. There are a lot of people who do that. And there's absolutely no promise whatsoever in what Jesus says for those people. No promise at all. Because we do it for his sake and for the gospel. 
who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. This is an extraordinary promise that we will receive a hundredfold now in this time. This is a promise. This is a promise. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. We're going to receive these things now in this time. Not Initially, that, that seems kind of fantastical. But it's not. Back in the United States, as I grew up, I had one sister, no brothers. I look in this room right now, and I have at least 50 brothers and sisters. That's cool. Do you know that? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have that. We have that right now. One of the things that I'm believing for in my own life uh, that I'd like to see manifested is actually 500 sons. I don't know how I could handle 500 sons. Uh, And that could be sons and daughters, by the way. Uh, But, you know, Karen and I have been carrying that promise over our lives for three decades. uh, That we would be a spiritual father and mother. And and now it's starting to open up. Uh, And we we had to face a, a massive decision back in the 90s about children and leaving that aside. And now we're looking and how many children have we had and, and how many children are around here. And, you know, I look at, uh, to say, uh, Joshua and Samuel and, uh, and uh, Ade and Ayo and uh, Ashe, just, just to name, name a few. And this is great, you know, because these are like my kids. But beautifully, I haven't had to feed them. I haven't had to clothe them. And I don't have to pay for their college yet. So, I mean, this is cool. I, I love this. I love this. This is, is a great thing. You know, but this is a promise. And we oftentimes are not seeing and we're not looking at the blessing of God that's right around us. But as God out, pours out his Holy Spirit in this season, we are going to see an increase. We're going to see this manifested. I love it. When I, I just met the new pastor up at uh, the Barvis Church on the Isle of Lewis. We're going up there in March uh, to preach for their communion season, but we met him in August, and uh, he said, you know, Rod, we just bought a house in town, and any time that you come up, you're welcome to use the house. Like, that's cool. It's like a house that I don't own, but it's like my house. And, and uh, we have that with so many people around the world. Our friends uh, Michael and Su Ying in, uh, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, they said, hey, whenever you're in Kuala Lumpur, our, uh, our house is yours. Uh, our, our friends in, uh, uh, we've got some friends in Prague, uh, Peter uh, uh, Katja, and they said, you know, whenever you're in, in town, our, our house is yours. Uh, it's kind of a cool thing. All these connections all around the world. This is what God is doing And it's beautiful and amazing. But what do we do when 
it doesn't manifest as quickly as we think. What do we do when the promises don't come to fulfillment as quickly as we think? Well, then we take on the mantle of Habakkuk. What did he say? He said, okay, I'm going to take my position on the watchtower. I am going to be looking. I am going to be praying. And the watchtower was somebody looking to the horizon to see if there was an enemy coming. Uh, And it's a metaphor for praying and praying with a vision to see what God's doing. I'm going to take my position and I'm going to keep focused on this and I'm going to keep looking for it until it comes. And then God speaks and says, hey, write this vision down. Uh, In other words, don't uh, cherish it. Hold on to it. Don't abandon it. Don't treat it lightly. Uh, Write this vision down because it will come. Even if it seems like it's slow, even if it seems like it delays, it will come. So write it down and have the confidence. And that is our encouragement in this season is to trust that what God has said in this time will be fulfilled. To keep watching for it and have the faith to know that God will do everything he says he will do. Even as we check ourselves and make sure that we're not deceiving ourselves in some way, make sure that we're not tricking ourselves in some way, but we keep pressing on. And by the way, the best way to do that, the best way to make sure that you're not deceiving yourself, that you're not tricking yourself, is to surround yourself with people who are willing to speak to you and challenge you. Here at City Temple, one of the things that I I really, really cherish uh, are our elders. And that we have a group of elders who are not afraid to say, Rod, I don't think you see that right. Uh, Rod, I think you're, you're in your fight or flight mode and it's mostly you fight. And you probably shouldn't be fighting there. You know, to have somebody around you, and that's why God has given us the body of Christ, so that we can stand together in all these things. So let's stand together in the promises of God, knowing that these promises will be fulfilled in our lives the glory and honor of Jesus. I really do think that we are in the fullness of time. That any moment we might see, experience a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We keep praying for it, we keep watching for it, and we keep believing because we know that it's coming to the glory and honor of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you are a good God that you care for us, that you, that you watch over us no matter what is happening. I pray, Father, that as we worship you, if there's any way that we've been deceiving ourselves, holding something behind our back that we haven't given to you, anything that we need to hear from you, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak it. Father, we do want to follow you, and we do want to honor you, and I thank you that you are such a good and faithful God. I thank you that no matter what, you are good to us, and your goodness never fails us, and we praise you, and we honor you, and we worship you.
We do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.